Welcome, everyone, to the Operation Automation Podcast by Omron, where we're talking all things factory automation. My name is Kenny Heidel, and I'm a channel development manager focusing on channel engagement. I've been with Omron for three years and have 12 years of combined factory and industrial automation experience. Sitting here with me is Carrie Lee. Hi, everyone. I'm Carrie Lee. I'm the product manager for Sysmac Studio, NJNX Controllers, and NXIO. Carrie and I are neighbors at our Omron office and would often have conversations at the coffee machine or in the hallways where we would talk about products, new technologies and trends, and of course, the Chicago White Sox. We hope to recreate that time here on our podcast and share it with our listeners so that you can learn along with us. So whether you're pouring your first or your fifth coffee of the day, driving to your first appointment, or walking the dog, we hope to help you start your day right with a little bit of fun and hopefully you'll learn something new too. So, Kenny, we got a pretty exciting episode today. A pretty good song for it. How, how close to Back in Black is that? Pretty close? It's pretty to, good. I'm yeah. impressed. So, our guest today is Rob Black, who is the CEO of Omron Automation Americas. Welcome, Rob. Happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. We can also note this is our first in-person podcast. So yes. It's exciting. Here, right? It's great. It's great to be back and see everybody's bright, shiny faces and yeah, people that I haven't seen faces for in two years, So, which is great with new employees mm-hmm. coming in. It's wonderful. All right. So we're going to start with our typical hard-hitting question. So Rob, what is your go-to takeout food order? So my go-to takeout would have to be Chinese. That is definitely my mm-hmm. go-to takeout. I am a huge Kung Pao chicken fan. Always have to get the egg roll or spring roll to go along with it, and usually a noodle dish after that. That's kind of the, if I'm going takeout, that's what I get. Nice, that's a good one. That was going to be my question. Were you egg roll man or were you crab rangoon? I would do egg rolls over crab rangoon, actually, so I don't know what it is. And I would do egg rolls over spring rolls, so yeah, so I'm definitely an egg roll fan. Nice. I think I would definitely the same boat right there. Uh, Second... If you have to get a lot of work done, so what's your favorite music choice? So I'm a classic rock era, so ACDC's definitely up there, <laughs> so appreciate the back in black. Um, I'm a big Queen fan, uh, um, David Bowie, of all things, so from that. And then my hometown where I grew up, which is uh, George Thorogood and the Delaware Destroyers, the original name of the band. So he used to play at a local bar. 10 minutes from my house. So we used to be able to see him before he was famous. So yeah, classic rock. Nice. Nice. Makes me think of one bourbon, one sky, probably for a different bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And our final question, what's your hobby, Rob? Your favorite hobby? Mine has got to be golf. I'll say right now, I'm a golf fanatic. So I love golfing. It just takes my mind off of everything. And you think about golf and I'm not thinking about work or problems or anything else. So it's nice. So what's the prettiest golf course you've ever played? Oh, um, I would put Whistling Straits up at the top, which is in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I've played that a few times, and it's just a gorgeous course because of the scenery. Um, that's that's probably the top one I think I've played. I haven't played Pebble Beach or any of those, but uh, uh, Whistling Straits is the one that comes to mind from that. Nice. Uh, support of the Midwest. Exactly. I'm a Midwest yeah. boy at heart. Okay. So yeah, all my years in Minnesota and Wisconsin. So yeah, I go back to that. Nice. Nice. 
Well, Rob, if you don't mind for our listeners, if you could give them just a little bit of uh, kind of your background, your career background, how it's how it's progressed, and then we can kind of sure. jump into our, our big topic today, which we're very excited about, which is our, our SF2030 plan. So I've, I've been in the automation business now for 35 years, going on 36 years, I guess. This is the only career I've had is in automation. Uh, started off as a salesman way back in the late 80s. Uh, once I graduated from school as an engineer, I went to Marquette University. So there's the Wisconsin connection there right there. Let's go so, Warriors. Exactly. And I am a Warrior fan. I'm not a Golden Eagle fan. So any Golden Eagle fans out there, I apologize for. <laughs> but I am a Warrior generation. Uh, and I, I did stints in sales. And then I got into uh, product management, marketing, and running a business unit. And just kind of worked my way through the multiple organizations and mm-hmm. Uh, some competitors, and now I'm uh, at Omra. So, and, and still enjoy the automation business. It's great. You, I'm sure you have seen a ton of changes, and I think one. This is a nice, nice segue into our our change, right? As an organization, you know, we have a vision that is shaping the future 2030. You know, we con- continue to create social solutions through people-oriented automation. Uh, so, we're kind of wondering what. What does people-oriented automation mean to you, and how do you think we stand out uh, as a manufacturer in that space? So when I hear people-oriented automation, the first thing that comes to mind is the man-machine working relationship and how truly today in 2022 we see robots working next to humans, Mm -hmm. which has been talked about for decades and everybody's wanted to do, but it's actually happening now. And that's where... I think the the whole area of people-oriented automation is, is how do people become closer to automation at the factory, at your station, at your, your, your cell from a manufacturing standpoint. Robots have become safer and smarter over the years and allowed that uh, to happen and that integration to take place. Uh, Omron, I think, is uniquely positioned, especially with our new integrated robotic controller, because now... Through the PLC environment, you've got the opportunity to control your robot in addition to your full automation platform uh, with SysMac as our, I'll say, control platform that we use within Omron. And it really does provide much more flexibility to our customers uh, from an integration, ease of use standpoint, and, and everything being located in one environment from a programming standpoint. And it it almost seems like in... Um like an unsung thing, right? With everything that can work on one platform as opposed to, well, I have this machine that has a little bit of this manufacturer, a little bit of that mm-hmm. manufacturer, and try, and the people that have to keep all that straight, right? Absolutely. And understand that, especially with, like we've talked about, the changing workforce mm-hmm. and everything, it becomes very challenging. It does. It's it's just like your personal life. If you're working in 18 different programs, it's it's difficult because you got to learn 18 different programs versus mm-hmm. you look at Microsoft Office, everything's all included. You get Word, you get PowerPoint, you get Teams now, and mm-hmm. that's your collaboration environment. And we've got the same thing same thing through SysMac Studio. That's our collaboration environment at the automation level. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So just jumping back to the Shaping the Future 2030, one of the things I think they go back and speak about is the cynic theory. And that's really kind of governed the company direction for since the founder uh, developed it. Can you kind of give us just a 50,000-foot explanation of cynic theory to kind of, for our listeners? Sure. So it was 
realized by our founder, Kazuma Tateishi, in the 1970s. And really what it comes down to, it's a, a future prediction method mm-hmm. of what he did. And he had great vision and insight to look at this way back in the 70s and, and put this together. Cynic stands for seed, innovation, to need, impetus, cyclic evolution. A lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of big <laughs> words there. Um, what it really is, is is a science and technology and society sharing a cyclical relationship and mutually impacting and influencing each other. So you can have one direction, science breakthroughs yield new technologies that help society help society to advance. And in the other direction, social needs spur on technology developments and expectations. And depending on where we're at in the cycle, one leads the other and one lags the other. So it's, it's again, a future prediction model, I think, that never goes away. We just go through the cycles of is society leading or is technology leading? Mm-hmm. And you go and one leads, one lags, and you can have innovation created through either side of it. Mm-hmm. It's a really neat way to look at things, isn't it? And start planning. And yeah. It's really uh, unique. And it's led us into our SF2030 plan. And that's really what you know is exciting to us as Omron now. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of going further beyond there, according to the cynic theory, we're in that optimization stage, which is where people are prioritizing kind of well-being over their material successes. And when I was learning about that, I really think it kind of rings true for people just in society right now, coming out of a global pandemic. Many people are kind of taking stock at their own priorities and what they want out of life. How do you see this concept uh, impacting you as an individual and then Omron as a corporation? So from myself as an individual, really it's the work-life balance that's changed. Mm -hmm. And over these two years, when I started and up until two years ago, really you live where you work mm-hmm. yep. and that's how you, you based off, you know, where I, my kids were raised or where I, I was is where my work was is that's where I live mm-hmm. with the pandemic. It's completely shifted now to you can work where you live mm-hmm. and it, it really does balance out this work life that is all consuming where it's not all about work. We have to bring in life into this. And it's, I think all of us have learned over the last couple of years that the, the social interactions and the, the work interactions also need to be separate from your personal interactions. And it's really allowed people and us as an organization to recruit individuals now that may not live in the state of Illinois, right. <laughs> but they have a skill set that we want. So now they can live wherever they want to live and bring that skill set to Omron, even though our headquarters are in Illinois. Mm-hmm. So it's been exciting. I think it's 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 allowed us from a, a recruiting tool to really find some new talent. Mm-hmm. And it's also a tool that allows for retention because now we can say throughout your career, if you do want to move to another spot, we're not going to obstruct that or hinder that you can move to that other spot as well so we're trying to provide the flexibility to all the employees through this work-life balance and create a a more symbiotic relationship Mm -hmm. it is amazing to think about like as as potentially progressing in your career right as you would have gone it'd be like all right well if you want this new position you need to move here right you're going to relocate to this uh, area of the country or or area of the world that's exactly 
And now with the advent of all the teams and the VCs that we're doing and learning to operate differently, it it changes everything and it allows you to really work where you live. And some people that that is extremely important to them. And I think it's finally hitting with some of uh, the elder generation like myself that that is really important. And, And I see it now as well. And just like you said, one of the common things you hear that Kenny mentioned may have hindered either personal growth, but also growth for home run, right? Because people are looking to see how they can grow within without being hindered by their location. Correct. Mm -hmm. So back on the uh, SF2030, there was an interesting topic. um, Is it kind of reframing how we conduct business? So historically, we had, and we as home run, had designed a product and shared its value with customers. And that trickled out to society from there. And in the presentation of, of SF2030, you know, we're, we're flipping that on its head, basically. And we're saying we're going to go the opposite direction. Now we're going to look at society to see how it is changing and evolving and try to influence what our customers need and then create or understand what they need and then create products that support what our customers' needs are. You know, what are some examples of how you've seen this, this change in approach coming into play? Carrie mentioned it. We're at the stage in the cynic theory about optimization stage where we're prioritizing the well-being. So now we're starting to look at society mm-hmm. and see what society's needs are and put product and solutions around that. Mm-hmm. So one of the areas is labor shortages. If we just look at labor shortages, we all know from the past two years, there's a massive amount of labor shortages. Mm-hmm. So we're concentrating around a... Um, theme of eye automation that we use or or innovative automation in the business. And we're calling it innovative automation next. What's the next uh, uh, platform of automation that's going to address areas of labor shortages, areas of e-commerce that we see? We live in a society today where everything is now. Amazon Prime (laughs) has taught everybody that you can have anything you want in two days. (laughs) And we know they're moving to a one day and ultimately to hours of being able to deliver to you. For them to do that completely changes how product is moving around logistically. And you need automation to support that. So I think it's a huge opportunity for us to, to look at even just that industry. And how do we help get down to the last mile? Meaning, how does how do you order something and it arrives at your door a few hours later? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of back-end automation uh, that is used to accomplish that. And that's going to happen over this next five to ten years. You're going to see more and more automation than we ever have in the past, from my opinion. It's exciting. It is. It really is. Um, so another question is, you know, while while us as Omeron have been reframing how we do business, our core values have always remained constant. Our mission statement has always been to improve lives and contribute to a better society, which is unique in a profit-driven environment. You know, we focus above all on our worldwide impact. So based on your background experience, how different is that approach compared to maybe the traditional business model for, for larger organizations? Uh, I think we're very different in that our principles we live every day mm-hmm. and it's guides us in decision making as well uh, from what we do. And in other organizations, I believe it's a flavor of the month or a flavor of the week. Well, you're where you will focus on an area and be it ethics or, 
or quality and that's your focus for the month or your focus for the week, whatever it may be. The, the Omron principles for us are every day and, and ingrained in us from our founder and from 1933 and here we are in 2022 and we still discuss with every new class. We start off with most of our meetings with the principles of what we want to do. And how do we contribute to a better society? And I think that's unique because it forces you truly to look at society and go, what can I do to help? And and it makes you think a little differently to, again, we're not shoving product down the throats of people. We're trying to understand what society truly needs and what we can do as an automation company to help. So it it is part of everyone within Omron, our um, guiding light, so to speak, that we all go for. And I think it's, it really helps the organization pull us all together globally and, mm-hmm. and work towards a common goal. I agree. I think it's, I think it stabilizes us too. You know, yeah, I've, been, it's a good I've, word. I've been a part of other organizations where it's just kind of like, well, now our mission is this. Well, now yeah. our mission is this. And it changes so quickly. It's hard, hard for everybody to really get behind right. it and, and push in the same direction. And it does force you because, again, we're, we're in this automation space and you go, geez, what can I do to really contribute to a better society? That can be such a vague concept. But yet, OK, look, at we just talked about labor shortages and we talked about you know how e-commerce is changing. Well, we can be a part of that and we can help with that. And that's really what we want. And I think that's what gets the generations um, to come together. And help because we've got more generations working in the marketplace today than we've ever had. Mm-hmm. And to, to bring the Generation Zs working with some of the baby boomers that are still left mm-hmm. is a massive task. But when we look at it from this standpoint and go back to our principles, it does. It stabilizes mm-hmm. and, and brings the organization together. It's a great it's a great uh, um, philosophy that Kazuma Tateishi had way, way back then. So and still applicable for for the next hundred plus years. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned the generations. I've been spending a lot of time at career fairs and talking to college students, and it's really one innovative to kind of be the people who have on our posters talking about improving lives. And you can watch the students get excited, and it, yeah. it's a very exciting and innovative concept for the for the younger generation. It's fun to talk about with them. Absolutely. It. it it hits with them very hard because mm-hmm. they've been brought up to more so think of what society is and, and some of the bad things we've done over the decades and, and generations, but how can they help fix it? And our message resonates exactly with that, that new generation coming out of school that does want to help you know, fix some of the, the prior mistakes that we've made. Not, you know, nothing that was done maliciously. It's just kind of happened over the decades. So. And it's funny thing about like think about when we graduated college, right? You're you're coming out, you're on fire, right? You want to make a huge difference. I feel like this puts a nice context around how you can actually do that. Sometimes you go to bigger organizations, right, and it's just kind of overwhelming. Where do you fit in, right? right. Ultimately, with this is the the center guide is is good. I always tell tell people too if you're you're ever out at a party and people ask, you know, what does your corporation do? If you say we're here to improve lives and contribute to a better society. There's not one person at that <laughs> party won't ask you another question because that is so intriguing. Yeah. Oh my God, what, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And then you can start to get into it. So it really, it, it engages everybody in every level because mm-hmm. who doesn't want to help improve 
society. Yeah, who's going to answer? Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> right, right. So, Where's the nudges? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, again, going back to our uh, SF2030 plan, there's really three impactful goals that we have in the near term as part of this plan. Uh, transformation of business, transformation of corporate management, and then strengthening sustainability. So they're all very important, but which of the first stage actions are you most excited about progressing in our market here? So from my standpoint, I really think it's the transformation of business. Um, we're at a, a, a unique spot in history where I'll say the digital society has come mm-hmm. to the automation world. Mm-hmm. And digital customer experience is key. And, and we're all trying to get to that. In our private lives, the digital world has been going on for a while. We're very used to going to the web and self-servicing and everything on our own. If you look at our space in the industrial automation, we're really not there today. And to take automation to that level with self-service capabilities, you know, video capabilities that we have today, we can do video proof of concepts today. Mm -hmm. So that whole evolution of getting to the digital society and the digital customer experience through our website, I think is one of the big opportunities over let's call it the, the next three years that we're really going to focus on and how to, how to allow customers to get all of the knowledge that we have mm-hmm. internally. How do I put that externally in a format that's easy for them to get to, easy for them to access, easy for them to gain knowledge off of, and then potentially share it with other either colleagues at their um, location or at another colleague at a, a company thousands of miles away because we do want to create a forums uh, environment also through this digital customer experience for sharing mm-hmm. uh, knowledge and applications and solutions. It's very exciting stuff. Well, yeah. Especially in the automation space yeah. too, right? The, there's a lot of things. There could be a lot of things that people are doing with our products to support manufacturers and, and support society that we don't know. We don't have this ability to, right? But somebody else like to your point, thousands of miles away, could have that same problem. And there's a solution. And connecting those dots, I think, is, is a huge step. I mean, you look in your personal life. If, if you have a situation, most of us will go to Google right. and Google it. Mm-hmm. Automation, it's not as easy <laughs> to yeah. do that because a lot of this is a little, there's some tribal knowledge, there is some IP in there, mm-hmm. and people are very protective about what they've done in the automation space because that's their competitive Mm -hmm. But in a generic solution, if we can help share that knowledge and make it easier to communicate and collaborate, that's what we want going forward for the future. That collaboration lets them spend more time on the part that's actually their differentiator, right? That's it. That's it. And we're finding there's, there's solutions in other industries that are now applicable Mm -hmm. in 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 other industries that didn't come out right. But what I mean is, is take, for instance, the digital industry. The digital industry is starting to affect the automotive industry a lot. Those two industries are colliding together at, at rapid um, pace, especially with the evolution of EV, electric vehicles, and where that's all taking us in the automotive business. We're gaining solutions from digital and from the semiconductor and bringing it into automotive that we haven't ever done before and looking at things differently and applying things differently. So it's exciting mm-hmm. to see how we're taking solutions that we've done in one industry and bringing them into another industry. And if we can do that digitally for our customers mm-hmm. and give it to them at their fingertips so that they can access it and 
clicks <laughs> versus days and weeks to try to gain this. That, that's the goal, I think, is to to help everybody. Because again, we we all know we're wearing multiple hats today. We don't have the bandwidth right. to, to truly go out and, and do all this research on our own. If we can, again, be better collaborators together, mm-hmm. that's more efficient for everybody in society. So, so Rob, we've grilled you on SF twenty thirty. So, but we are very excited for it, and uh, we, we think it's a it's a it's a great stage for to see what Omron's going to do over the next uh, next ten years. It's very exciting, uh, but we we can't let you go without a little bit of trivia. <laughs> All right, and I have multiple choice because I have definitely learned in my trivia that if I don't provide multiple choice, it could be very challenging. It so, makes the answers more exciting. It does. <laughs> <laughs> So, by 2022, so this year, what percentage of total task hours in automation will be completed by machines? So, multiple choice. A, 20, B, 42, C, 67, D, 95. And these are verified through some third-party source that we I'm going about against? Google, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. I'm just asking where you're referencing. <laughs> I'm going to go with the, was it 42? Yep. 42. Yeah. Did, did you find it from Rob's post? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ooh, Rob Black, the threat. <laughs> yes, 42% of total task hours in automation will be completed by machines as of this year. Crazy. That crazy is, to think about this. And I'm sure in the next five years, it's going to just continue mm-hmm. and grow and grow and grow. Yep. Well, Rob, this has been a fantastic conversation. We appreciate you taking some time out to talk to us about shaping the future 2030. And uh, and we look forward to seeing everything get implemented and, and, and see it in action. There's a, a ton out there right now. Even on our website, we've got a great little video about shaping the future 2030 that talks about the next 10-year plan of Omron. Um, we, we do these 10-year plans, and then we do them in three-year increments. Uh, so the first year is always our planning year. And then we go to the first three-year increment, the second and the third. And so we break them out. And because we realize when you set a 10-year plan, you still have to come back and say, okay, but what I set now is going to change as we progress through the stages. So we're concentrating right now on stage one mm-hmm. and working on stage one. And then we will adjust and go from there. But it is a very exciting time with an Omron. And everyone, I think, is uh, completely... Um, enthralled about what the shaping the future 2030 is going to be and how we're going to, again, look at society for future direction in our products and our solutions. Thank you everyone for joining Kenny and me for the Operation Automation Podcast. If you have topics you'd like to hear discussed on future episodes, please send them to our email address, omronnow at omron.com with podcast idea in the subject line. All of the cool things you learn on this podcast can be found on automation.omron.com. Until next time, we put the fun in factory automation.